0: listening to the MOG channel. Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. This is MOG channel where we help you to see real and practical Christianity from God's word. If you knew, you're new, here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Today, we're going to be continuing our romance line-by-line explanation series. So, we stopped at Romans chapter 1 verse 7 on the last episode, so we're going to continue from there. So, just get your Bibles. I think that's one of the prerequisites. Just get a Bible and follow through. As I said, it's really going to help you to understand how to explain or how to study scriptures and better explain them, all right? Because the epistles especially that is from the book of Romans down to let's just say the book before revelation is actually explanations teachings that is there so when you understand how to just go in there and bring out the explanations you'll be a better christian this is one okay let me not just <laughs> let's just get into it all right so Romans the 1 verse 8 first i thank my god through jesus christ for you for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world which is lovely right that their faith is what's spoken of throughout the whole world the way they conduct themselves the way they live their lives for Jesus Christ you know to live is Christ to die is gain their faith what they believe is spoken of what throughout the world in other words these people are exceptional right and I think that's quite um, what the believer wants to uh, live by which is that your faith is what's spoken of throughout the world everybody knows you are born again right Uh I think there's another place where Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome he said it is now obvious to everybody you know that his faith I'm just paraphrasing but it's obvious to everybody why he's there it's obvious to everyone that he lives for the gospel it should be obvious you should not hide it from anybody he said no they they may treat me and it must be obvious your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world okay verse 9 for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son now he says that without season I make mention of you always in my prayers so how is he serving the Lord with his spirit by what praying for them so prayer is a spiritual activity when I pray for people when I pray for God's people disciples the church my pastor you know and all that I am serving the Lord with what my spirit in the gospel of his son Are you seeing that? Then he says, Without ceasing, without stopping, I make mention of you always in my prayer. Without stopping and always. I am always praying for you. That's what he's saying. I am always praying for you. So this is quite instructive. What does the disciple of Christ do? He is always praying for others. He is always praying the will of God for others. Are you seeing that? I am always praying for you. So, who are you praying for? As a believer of Jesus Christ, are you praying for anybody? Are you, do you even have a constant, consistent prayer life? Because you're going to find out that our prayer lives are not primarily for us. Our prayer lives is our service to God. Are you seeing that? And through our service to God, we pray for others. Or it is part and parcel of our service to God. You know, God as he is, right? We are his body. In other words, it means his head were the body. Head just means, well, you can look at it in a literal sense that that's what the authority and control is. But you see, head is also the body. So he is the head, we are the body. And now, God, in the person of Christ Jesus, is in heaven. The only way he exercises authority is on the earth, through us. I that. That's how he has a foothold on the earth. So when we pray in the spirit, when we pray for people, when we pray, what are we doing? We're serving the Lord. We're enabling the Lord to carry out his will on the earth. We're enabling the Lord to do what He wants to do on the earth and by that, we are serving Him. Are you seeing that? So, the Lord, of course, wants other believers to be better, to grow, to be established by praying for other believers. What are we doing? We're enabling the will of the Lord to come to pass in their lives. Many times, things happen to believers. Maybe, let's just talk about backsliding or calamities or other things that are a result of irresponsibility, actually. You know, it's not till we get into eternity that we'll find out how that prayer that we prayed for someone saved that person so much, or that lack of prayer that we, you know, obviously didn't do, that prayer we didn't do, how it also affected someone very negatively. So, our prayer lives are extremely crucial, right? Very, very crucial. Okay, so it says, verse 10 making requests if by any means. Now, at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. Verse 11, for I long to see you. (laughs) Are you seeing this? Paul says, I long to see you. You see, if you look throughout the epistles, you're going to see this emphasis on physical meetings. I long to see you. So, let's just say maybe for some reason, he's been on Zoom call. He has not been able to come to them. He says, I long to see you. There must be a longing to see the brethren. It is abnormal to not long to see the brethren. It is abnormal to be comfortable with just Zoom calls or being distant. No, we we must come together. We must meet. You see, it is scriptural for us to meet. There's something that happens. uh, Hebrews chapter, uh, I think that's 13. Yeah, 13 tells us, it says we should not forsake the assembly. I think maybe 12 or 13. It says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves as is the manner of some. We don't forsake it. We keep wanting to meet. Something occurs when we as a body meet. The Bible says we are members of the body of Christ. We are body of Christ, members in particular. That's Romans chapter 12. We are members in particular. But you see when we come together, what happens? We are coming together as a body. And the whole body is complete when we come together. And the amazing things that happen when we come together corporately. I seen that. It says, for I long to see you, that I may impart unto you somewhat spiritual gifts, that you may be established. So he wants to come in part. That word impart is also the word give. I want to give to you, I want to minister to you some spiritual gifts, to the end that you may be what? Established, right? You may be what? Grounded. You may become steady. So one thing we can see here is that spiritual gifts steady believers. That you cannot pastor or be a minister or be a discipler without the use of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts stabilize believers. They bless believers and they make them stable. Because you see, if discipleship is like parenting, you know, to be a good parent, you have to know certain things. For example, by the word of knowledge, you have to learn how to not just look at people and see with your two eyes what is going on with their lives, you must be able to look by the Spirit and say, okay, this is what's going on in this person's life. Amen? So you you establish believers. You help them become more stable and more steady by the impartation or the, the, what was that word, the ministering of spiritual gifts. Okay, so I'll probably go into that in an entirely different episode. But I have teachings or episodes on spiritual gifts. You can just go down, 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 And look for them. Alright. Verse 12. says that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Are you seeing that? In other words, when we come together, there will be what? Comfort. We will be consoled. We will be comforted. There's just, that's part of what happens when believers come together. We will be what? Comforted. Are you seeing that? In the presence of one another, it brings comfort. Because we have a common faith. Are you seeing that? So, verse 13, it says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, as oftentimes I proposed to come unto you, but was not able to. Well, the King James says it was, Let hit that all, okay? <laughs> that I may have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Okay, so this verse here helps me to understand that it looks very much like Paul in this context, right? It was probably someone that Paul discipled or pastored that established the Roman church but not Paul himself because he says I I, I, want to come to you right that I may what he said I may impart to you some spiritual gifts right he says I've heard of your faith okay are you seeing that you know I'm talking about the verses before he said I heard of your faith I long to come to you right so he now says I wanted to come to you but I could not right that I may have some fruit among you so what is fruit among you that is I'll be able to Bless you guys. I'm going to, fruit is basically, I'm going to come and be able to establish you guys, preach the gospel, share, help you grow spiritually and everything. I'll have some fruits. There will be some results, godly gospel results among you. Okay? It says also, even as among other Gentiles. Are you seeing that? So that's why I believe from this text that Paul did not plant this church. I stand to be corrected, but I don't think he planted this church, all right? You know, he was an apostle going around from place to place. He would plant a church. He would move, plant and that one move and all that. Verse 14, he says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. What is he saying? Verse 15, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. So he calls himself a debtor. Debtor means he owes. Are you seeing that? He owes. He's in debt, right? In other words, if I don't fulfill the debt, I'm a—will I am a, will I say, a transgressor. So, I am a potential criminal if I don't preach to you guys. That's what he's saying. That I am a debtor. I owe you the gospel. And you see, that's the attitude we must have. That we actually owe people the gospel. You know, in the book of John, John, I think the last chapter where or the chapter before it, Jesus says that he who sins, you remit, I remitted. He who sins, you retain, I retain. What was he saying? He's saying if you preach the gospel to somebody, you just, and the person believes, you save that person from hell. But if you don't preach, if you withhold the gospel, you can damn his soul to hell. Are you seeing that? So he says, I'm a debtor. I owe you something. I owe you the gospel. Are you seeing that? I owe you the gospel. We owe people around us the gospel. Amen. We owe people around the gospel. So, he says, so, so as in me? I am ready to preach the gospel. Notice the word I'm ready. I'm ready. That is, I'm willing to preach the gospel. Are you seeing how instructive, like this is just, he's still kind of greeting them, but it is so packed with the ideal, let me use the word Spartan kind of state that the believer should be inside or should be in, which is I'm willing to preach the gospel to you. I'm willing, I want to do it. I'm willing to preach to you. Are you see that? That is how we should all be. We should be willing. We should be ready. You see that? Yeah. It gets a bit annoying because you're like, "Ah, let me just relax. No. We should be willing and ready. Are you seeing that? Then he now says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He said, I'm not ashamed. Right? I don't feel any shame. You know, there's this song, Say, so, I know they shame for you. <laughs> you see that? I am not ashamed. I feel no shame. Right? I feel no... I'm not embarrassed because of the gospel. You see that? I'm not embarrassed because I don't care about people's opinion. I've, I understand the truth and that this is actually the most important thing I can be doing in my life. So I'm not ashamed. Right? Uh-huh. Have you ever seen someone who is ashamed of you? Or... Have you ever had friends you're ashamed of or, or parents you're ashamed of? Why were you ashamed of them? You're really ashamed because of the... that they're doing something that looks um, contrary or something that it seems unpopular or something that seems to be, you know, seen as weird or just out of place by society. So, ah, you're like, oh, no, no, my mom. You know, you're embarrassed for, for your mom because of how your friends or other people, you know, will perceive the thing that, that, that they are doing. Right, so in this case, there's this kind of pressure to to believe that preaching the gospel is actually, you know, not the cool thing to do. It's, it's weird. It's not, you know, it's not hip. It's not. It's not what you should be doing. You know, it's it's, it's odd. So that's where the shame comes because oh, there's a stigma of preaching the gospel. Ah, what would they think of me? How would they see me? And all that. But he says I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God that saves. That gospel, the message saves. That message is the doorway to salvation. The message itself is the salvation. It brings the salvation. Are you seeing that? So he says, I'm not ashamed. Why? It is the power of God to save. There is no other <laughs> message that can save anybody. So even if people don't value the message, I will still preach it. Why? Because it is the only way you be saved. Even if it is foolishness to you, it is still what will get you saved. Are you seeing that? If it's something that you don't like, it will still want to get you saved. Nothing else will get you saved. This is so important, right? It's not what Islam is sharing that will get you saved. It's not what Buddhism is sharing, right, that will get you saved. It's not even what the Catholic Church, I'm talking about the Orthodox or what or how we put it, the Catholic let me use the word Roman Catholic Church that's better because there are some Catholic churches that are actually much better now and are preaching the true gospel of Christ but it's not what they share that will get you saved it's not what JW Jehovah Witness shares that will get you saved it is not what any of these guys share that will get you saved it is only one message there is only one name under heaven by which men shall be saved and that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ it is the power of God to save are you seeing that? To everyone that believes, everyone who hears on this, you know, hears this message and believes, will be saved. There is no disputing that fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. Are you seeing that? it now says, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Obviously, salvation began with the Jews. The message of salvation was promised to Abraham, who is the father of the Jews, and so they received when Christ came. He went to them first. Of course, he had to be killed by them, right? But he went to them first and preached before he went to the Gentiles. That is why the Syrophoenician woman that came, you know, for healing said, "Lord, no, let the children be filled before you feed the dogs. What was he saying? He's saying this, the, the salvation is of the Jews. These guys have a history. God promised it to them first or promised to bring the Messiah through them. You understand the promises to them first and then from there to the entire world. Are you seeing that? You also see the instruction that Jesus gave them. He said, to preach first of all in what Jerusalem, Judea, with Jerusalem, Judea is just Judah, basically, or Israel. Then after that, Samaria, because you now move from there to Samaria. Samaria were the were mixed Jews, they were half Jews, half Gentiles. Are you seeing that? So that's the order. Then to the utmost part of the earth. So you have an order, a succession, right? Of how the gospel is supposed to be spread. Okay? So then Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written just shall live by faith. Okay, this is where we're going to stop. On the next episode, we're going to continue from, we'll start from this 17 down to, you know, the other ones. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you followed through. And I hope your understanding of how to explain scriptures is growing. All right? So, that's it, guys. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. And bye-bye. If this blessed you, or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.essien Also, if you've been blessed and you'd love to support what we do here at MOG Podcast, then you can give to zero one zero six two zero seven six eight five. I'll say that again: zero one zero six two zero seven six eight five GT Bank. God bless you.